are back on the fan pregame. Sportsnet and Sportsnet 590. The fan, we got a two-hour show. <laughs> I've been at the rink for the last, I don't know, six days straight, and we're getting right into it tonight. Uh, Toronto was the center of the hockey world this weekend through NHL All-Star. They're going to be the stars again on the marquee heading tonight. Leafs and Islanders, 7 p.m. on Sportsnet. We're going to have Luke Fox join us from Scotiabank Arena at 6.30 to help tee it up. Toronto Raptors are also in action on Sportsnet. Sportsnet 1 to be exact at 8 p.m. They will be in New Orleans on the uh, second half of back-to-back after a gutting loss to the Oklahoma City Thunder last night. We'll go big picture on the Raps with Katie Heindel at 7. Uh, Lots of hockey tidbits from this weekend. As we said, NHL participation in international hockey is back. We had an update from the London Police Press Conference today. Uh, Jeff Merrick was on that one as well. And Jeff and Elliot had lots to cover on 32 Thoughts, the podcast today. So Jeff will join us for Merrick Monday in about five minutes. And not the breaker of chains, but the breaker of Jim Harbaugh coaching hirings. That is Matty Marchese. He'll join us in about 90 <laughs> minutes uh, to continue teeing up Super Bowl 58, which is now six days away. All right, so uh, let's get into the London police update uh, to lead the show here. Dylan Dubé, Cal Foote, Carter Hart, and Alex Formanton were charged. Uh, four of them were charged with one count of sexual assault. And Michael McLeod was charged with two counts of sexual assault, all stemming back to the 2018 World Junior Tournament uh, discussion we've been having for quite a few years. During this process, all players from that national junior team, all players will remain suspended by Hockey Canada and ineligible to play in any Hockey Canada-sanctioned events. So that includes the Olympics, which, of course, after this weekend, we know the NHL's reinstated participation for. Uh, but however, that newly announced Four Nations face-off is NHL and NHLPA run. So they would be eligible for that. So that's the newsy news of today. Yeah, that's definitely a layer uh, to continue to watch out for. But I think today, obviously, it, it was the press conference. It was what happened in 2018. Uh, and it was, uh, you know, a lot. And not that questions were answered, per se, because a lot of it wasn't answered. But it was the first time that you know the london police service were out in front of this and taking questions and just like general thoughts uh, it really did underscore how much fire london police services is under for the handling or mishandling of the original complaint like this is a story that affects five hockey players and more importantly a victim and their family uh but it's still very much a story about our legal system and the effectiveness of it and i guess one thing that was interesting or noteworthy at least is that they did admit although maybe not explicitly to mistakes made the first time around. Uh, frustration, definitely, for a lot of people that watched it because so many questions were left without answers. Uh, but just because it's playing out in the public sphere doesn't mean that it's different from other cases that need to be tried in court, just like this one. And just very quickly, I did have one moment of like really uh, serious disappointment when the chief of the London police briefly victim and media blamed uh, for the occurrences of sexual assault. I thought that was extremely distasteful, kind of out of the script because it was seemingly very scripted. Uh, But I could not believe that when I was hearing that in the moment. That was uh, a disappointing moment for me today. Yeah, obviously this is a pretty deeply personal story for me. It's hard for me to just talk in like broadcaster sense about it because I find Mm -hmm. myself comparing a lot of my own experience in the legal system with what this victim is going through. They're quite similar. Um, but what I can say is I thought the apology from the London police um, services was important for the victim to hear. Do hope that she feels supported, but it's it's late. It's overdue. It's six years of suffering that you can't get back. I do think that the most meaningful thing that can be gleaned from a public apology like that is that other victims feel like they can trust that something has changed from the London police services and that they can come forward if, if something of this sort has happened to them. But 
I I don't blame people for feeling like they don't have a, a sense of trust or belief in this system because we're seeing it play out very publicly and not everybody has that public journey. Uh, I just hope that she's supported and, and heard that apology and feels it. So, uh, Jeff Merrick brought us through the uh, press conference uh, earlier today on Sports and Sports at 590, the fan, and we're going to bring Jeff in right now to continue talking about that and All-Star Weekend and some news items uh, around the NHL. Thanks for coming on, Merrick. Yeah, Justin, no problem. Hey, Elish, how are you? I'm doing well, Jeff. Good to hear your voice. You, you as well. You as well. I'm thinking about you today. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so, Merrick, uh, you know, just broadly, we'll open it up to you. Like, did you learn something today uh, after, uh, you know, broadcasting through uh, today's um, press conference from London Police Services? Well, I learned that London Police want to, uh, I don't know if it is, strategic or, or how to describe it, but they really want to make everybody aware that in their minds they consider this one investigation and not two. Uh, I think they want to go out of their way to make sure that, you know, uh, people don't think that there was one investigation that was completely closed and then a second investigation started. I thought that there was, you know, there were a couple of, there were a couple of things in, like, look, like it, it, Chief uh, Tai Trong and uh, Detective uh, Sergeant Catherine Dan, like we heard a lot of, I can't comment, I can't comment. And I, I know we understand that in a legal sense, considering now this is very much before the courts and they don't want to give any defense team uh, a protein shake uh, for what may happen when a, when a trial occurs. But, I mean, this was very much the, uh, the London police uh, that were under fire. This is the London police that were being soundly criticized uh, by the assembled media. Um, I think Ailish nailed it by talking about, like, you know, these are words and the apology is important. But at the end of it, this took six years. And I think what the London police was trying to do was trying to join these two investigations and saying, no, 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 you're all wrong. This was actually one complete investigation. Um, But I, I thought it was really interesting that at the end, when they talked, when they when they were asked about investigators from the, for lack of a better term, Justin, from the first investigation, if they are still part of the case, and the answer was no. I mean, it seems as if a lot of, if not the lion's share, if not everybody who was involved in the first investigation, are no the beginning of the investigation, are no longer there now, and it is an entirely new crew. Yet the, the London police came very, very shy of saying that they felt that that initial part of the investigation, or as we like to say, the first investigation was, uh, was really fumbled badly here by them. And they were quite, uh, not, so, you know, not, so much, you know, not so much the sergeant detective, uh, but Chief Truong was, you could tell, visibly rattled, uh, very upset at the line of questioning. Um, to the point where I thought, you know, quite disgracefully, he started talking about the media and how women are portrayed in the media and part of all of it. And that is, I'm not disputing that that is is true. And I think that's a part of it. I just don't think that was the venue or the forum to be talking about that or talking like that. Um, But it seemed as if at that point he was rattled. He had lost his composure. He had lost his cool. And he actually stopped a conversation to make that point, which seemed to come out of left field, which indicated to me, and I think a lot of people as well, 
that he was quite rattled uh, for this one and unprepared for this line of questioning of his department. Yeah, that was a pretty stunning moment. Uh, I do think you laid that out perfectly, though, in terms of, like, you know, it's still the same case, but, hey, this is a different regime taking over now, and maybe that's the promise that things will be different, if you want to put it that way. But still, as you mentioned, and as you close with your broadcast, or at least the segment on uh, today's uh, press conference, this is just the start here, and there's a lot that still needs to be figured out. So we, we're, so we're, go ahead, go ahead, Merrick. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, but if we're going to transition to something else, one thing I, I do want to really sure. stress here as well, like this is a, you know, getting texts from, from various people in various quarters today, just sort of reminding me how, how dark this is going to get and how, you know, this is just the beginning of it. We're just starting uh, not just to, to hear the names, but hear the events and how they've unfolded. Um, we're going to go through a really, really dark cycle here uh, before all of this is done. And I really hope that anyone listening, um, anyone watching right now, you know, make sure they take care of themselves and checks in with people around them specifically women who, whether you, you know it or not, you know people that are victims of sexual assault. So, again, like, let's just try to be nice and take care and be mindful of each other through this. And because, Justin, you know this, Alice, you know this all too well. This is about to get really gross. And this is going to get, this is like, I know I get a lot of anxiety around it. I, I know it's upsetting to a lot of people as well. It is to me. Let's just hope that we can all try to take care of each other through all of this and always think of the victim and the victim in all of these crimes. Chatting with Jeff Merrick of the Jeff Merrick Show and 32 Thoughts, the podcast. Uh, we got to see Jeff down at All-Star Weekend this uh, last couple of days in Toronto. Oh, I'm, lucky you. It was very sweet uh, to not just hear your voice on a Monday, but to see you in I got a life. hug. I got a Merrick hug. It was great. Yeah, yeah Justin won't shut up about us. He's, he's hug it up, Justin. Let's fire go. it up. Yeah, yeah baby. <laughs> uh, Jeff, for you, you know, these opportunities are great because the players are in town. You get your, your opportunity to see them up close and personal. What was the best conversation that... You had this weekend, whether it was something for 32 Thoughts of Podcast, maybe something in passing, or a, a, you know, a white whale that you finally got to chat with that you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I listen, I, I, always cherish, I always cherish my time that I get to talk to NHL coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think it was a real blessing. And, and I got to, like Jeremy McElhaney was our producer, and I got to give it to him. Um, for me and Elliot you know, on, the, on, that, on that Friday morning when we saw each other, he put together Rick Tockett and Rick Bonus. We played it on the on the podcast that came out this morning. But hearing those two talk, and specifically, three minutes after the announcement came that Todd McCollin had been fired as the uh, as as the head coach of the Los Angeles Kings, they didn't know. Mm. Like we had to tell them, like, hey, three minutes ago, <laughs> Todd McCollin was fired. But it, and it was really interesting because they both talked about something that we tend to forget about what happens when someone gets fired. They talked about going back to their families. And explaining that, you know, mm. dad has just lost his job and we don't know what we're going to do now. And Bonus told, I mean, I, I love talking to Rick Bonus. Uh, I could talk to him all day. Uh, he told a great story about, you know, one of the times he had been fired, you know, going back home and, 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 and talking to Judy and talking to the kids and saying, like, do you think dad needs to get another job? This is really unsettling for kids and, you know, constantly moving. And the family thought about it for a little while, and I believe he said it was his son, who's now the assistant general manager of the Ottawa Senators, who said, no, Dad, we don't want you to, to, to look for a different type of job. We're a hockey family. We'll go wherever your career takes you. Now, you know, his daughter works, I think, with either, yeah, was with Carolina, now with Nashville. His son is with the Ottawa Senators, as I mentioned. Like, that is a dyed-in-the-wool 
360 degree hockey family. So I cherish a lot of the conversations, uh, but I think the, the the most special one was when we sat down with with bonus and talk. That was a lot of fun. Oh, and hearing Mitch Marner rip on. Instagram hockey trainers was a lot of fun, too. Oh. That one's going to be coming out on Friday. I Honestly, Alice Justin, I just do a dart. Because I've always wondered, like, you guys are on the gram. Like, you see a bunch of hockey trainers on there sort of teaching. <laughs> I've always wondered, like, what do NHLers think of these guys? You know, like, what do elite, elite? And I just sort of threw it out there. And without naming names, he went in on one trainer specifically about how oh. they pass along the videos when the videos come out. And it's like... What is this guy teaching? What is he doing? This is insane. That, that to me, I, I didn't know I was going to get that. That was found money. Uh, we'll hear it on Friday's podcast. But that was that was an interesting one. So, you know, just throwing it there. Like, what do you think of Instagram hockey trainers? And boom, Marner just went ham. <laughs> wow. Uh, I might have, that's an that's interesting good. one. I might have to play detective on that one, mm-hmm. try to figure that out, uh, who Marner is going after. Uh, that's That's a good tidbit. We'll be watching out for that one. For sure. Okay, that's the best thing you heard, or a couple things of the best thing, best that you heard. What about the best thing you saw all weekend long? I was impressed with Tate McRae. I really didn't know much about Tate McRae. <laughs> okay. Tate McRae. All that, all, honestly, all that I knew about Tate McRae were the cutaways that we saw at the Calgary Flames game. Mm. That's it. Like I, I didn't know. I did. I mean, I'm sure I've heard her music, like you know, like at the gym, like. I, but I just didn't know. Um, but I thought that performance was, was amazing. Uh, I really did. And the one thing that I really liked about all the celebrities that were part of the All-Star Weekend, there was all, all of them had an attachment to hockey somehow, but none of, them, none of it seemed forced. You know, like it was all like, you know, Will Arnett, that association is obvious. Uh, I just mentioned Kate McRae with the Calgary Flames and the cutaway shots, and Justin Bieber, that one's obvious. Michael Bublé on Mushrooms, Blossom. Uh, that was an obvious you know, connection with the hockey, and, and that was wonderful. Too. But none of it seemed forced at all. Like, there were, like, there's always going to be, like, eh, kind of awkward moments when you're doing something as sprawling as an all star weekend. But there wasn't anything where you went, you walked away from it and went, wow, that was really embarrassing. Um, so I, I thought that for me, I was, because I didn't know much about Tate McCray, I was impressed with the performance uh, and how hard that must be. Be, you know, walking from a stage to singing on the ice to going back on stage and having the choreography the way that she did. I, I was I was impressed with all of that. And listen, some of the performances that we saw, whether it was skills competition or am I allowed to say at the games themselves on mm-hmm. Saturday were, were kind of impressive. Like the Bobrovsky save on Marner, I thought it was spectacular. Mm-hmm. And how about how about Austin Matthews breaking the code and actually firing a rocket? Like, you know, like the code in all-star games is always like, if someone has a breakaway, you don't back check. You just mm-hmm. let that player have it. And the other code is like, you don't fire rockets. It's an all-star <laughs> game. No one's trying. What do you make of Austin Matthews firing that bullet on Saturday? Holy smokes. Yeah, we wanted there, to win. There were a, a, a number of people that were more than a little bit miffed that uh, Matthews wasn't following the code, mm. according to, uh, to a lot of people in the NHL. Yeah, weird one, eh? Mm. Okay. Well, Lisa, uh, on, on Monday Night Hockey tonight, of course, they're back in action. Uh, I wonder if you think that they might be having a bit of a tough turnaround for, for All-Stars, enjoying the weekend festivities, and then having to play uh, at another meaningful game on a Monday night. Yeah, against a fired-up New York Islanders mm-hmm. team that, you know, despite the fact they didn't get a lot of wins leading up to, leading up to the break, Patrick Waugh still maintains that they're playing better hockey. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll see. A team like the Islanders, I mean, they're an older squad. 
Uh, they could probably use the break. I mean, the Maple Leafs were playing great hockey. They probably, much like Edmonton, didn't want the all-star break at, at that point. Thank you very much. Um, but, you know, the, the Islanders should be rested and, and ready to go here. Uh, I'm curious to see what happens with Matthew Barzal post-all-star because, listen, he could have won that skills competition. Like, I, you know, I was saying this to Elliot today on the radio. You know, I, I think that the um, – and it's unfortunate he plays for the Islanders or else you'd really get a better sense of who, of who Matthew Barzell really is. And we know he's a skilled hockey player. We saw that on display on Friday uh, and Saturday as well. But he's, um, he's a great interview. He's a go-to for sure. Terrific personality. Has a, an incredible sense of fashion too. He's a really well-dressed guy. Takes care of himself. Really dynamic and compelling interview. The problem is he plays for the Islanders where you try to, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, try to, to nudge away all the corners and make everything round and nice and vanilla and plain and uh, kind of boring. It's about the logo, not the name bar. Ugh. I think the NHL is really missing out on a great personality in Matthew Barzell. Like, I get why the Islanders do it. I know it's old new rules, and we all understand that, but I, I just can't help but thinking that the NHL is missing out on a great one here in, in Matthew Barzell. Skilled player, marketer's dream, just playing on the wrong team at this point. Yeah, banging on the door to get into that skills competition that he did. And he did well. Like He was one of the stars of the weekend in terms of yeah. like, there's no way Team Matthews wins without uh, Matt Barzell in that line with Philip Forsberg and Alex Dabrinkat. I thought Barzell was great. Uh, I, I, it, yep. uh, you raise an interesting point, though. Like if Matt Barzell played for, say, Colorado right now, is it 40 more points on his total by the end of the year? Like I, I think there's a he plays for maybe the wrong franchise to be at his peak power, at least in terms of point production, doesn't he? Uh, he does. I mean, the dream scenario is for him to play. I mean, he's a BC guy, for him to play with the Vancouver Canucks. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that's uh, that's not in the cards, as they say. Well, I mean, any other team that has more of an offensive slant, really. I mean, how would you like Matthew Barzal, you know, uh, playing with the Boston Bruins, for example, or the Florida Panthers? Or, I mean, take, take your pick. I mean, I, I just want, you know, in, in my perfect universe, um, Matthew Barzal, well, in my perfect universe, you know, the New York Islanders aren't, you know, the mandatory shave team. And have you know allow players to show their personality um, uh, uh, a lot more so than they do. But um, you know Matt Barzell is playing on a, on a on a team that enjoys a bigger spotlight and isn't shy about about putting their players out there because honestly he's one of the more compelling and dynamic guys in the game. I, I got a lot of time for Matt Barzell. We're chatting with Jeff Merrick of the Jeff Merrick Show and Thirty Two Thoughts, the podcast. Um, Kings hired DJ Smith before he brought you on, assistant yep. coach. What's the level of heat on them right now? We know obviously a head coaching change on the weekend. Now DJ Smith coming in today. It seems like a, a, a lot on the line for that team. I wonder, and and the, the heat is probably the hottest under Rob Blake's chair right now mm-hmm. too. You know, we we wonder about like Jim Hiller is going to be there for the remainder of the season. Like that, that, that's going to be it. You know, that tells me, you know, one thing specifically now this is over to the general manager. This is the general manager's job to fix. Uh, I don't think that Rob Blake wanted to make this coaching change. I think this is quite like Ottawa um, where Steve Seos did not want to make the coaching change and, and fire DJ Smith, but kind of got backed into a corner and the, the atmosphere in Ottawa was so negative and every time they would lose, you know, don't go to Twitter because you know what's trending about DJ Smith. Mm-hmm. It was just awful, right? And I think the Los Angeles Kings found themselves uh, in almost the identical situation, albeit stakes are higher in L.A. than Ottawa. I mean, Ottawa has, you know, never threatened a playoff position 
you know, there were times this year we thought the Los Angeles Kings could be good enough to win the Stanley Cup. And since then, it, it looks as if, like, right now they're a slower team. You know, we've had Drew Doughty call out players on the squad. and We all played the guessing game. Oh, who's he talking about? He's just looking for cookies and looking for points. Is he talking about Kepe? Is he talking about Fiala? Is he talking about Dubois? Like, who is it? And then after he blasts the team, they come out and lay an egg against the Colorado Avalanche. That was, by the way, I think that was the moment where they may have made the coaching decision. Because I don't think Doughty goes and does that, you know, just sort of randomly without that being talked about before significantly. And once you do that, if there's no response after Doughty calls out teammates, then you know you have a real problem. And as it turns out, that Nashville win right before the break, the 4-2 game, uh, meant nothing. The the die had already been cast and the the decision had been made. But make no mistake about it, um, the seat is hot under Rob Blake right now to do something. Is it another forward? Is it something with the blue line? Is it a goaltender Join the conga line of teams wanting goaltenders right now, Rob Blake? But uh, I think that's that's where the seat is hottest in L.A. Last one for you, Merrick. The Oilers can make or match history tomorrow with a win over the Vegas Golden Knights. A great way to kick off, I guess, the final third uh, of the NHL season. You sat down with both Leon and Connor. Uh, How much does this mean to them? This is huge. Like, make no mistake about it. As much as they'll talk about Stanley Cup and the playoffs, like, this is really big. This is really big. Like, in in any successful, like, we expect the Oilers to have, you know, a, a really good playoff run. Like, they're back to being the Oilers that we thought they were. And along the way, you know, the, 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 the big comeback is, is, is one thing. The big return um, to, to decency for Edmonton is, is, a, is a big story. But I really think that this record does mean something for them. It's the little victories along the way. It isn't, it isn't the biggest victory. Like, look, ask the Boston Bruins how they felt about having maybe the best regular season of all time last year. They bowed out to the Panthers in the first round. So it's not, you know, the ultimate prize, but I really do get a sense that, you know, these little sort of markers along the way, I guess this wouldn't be little, this is pretty big, means something to both those guys and the Oilers as well. And I think that, the, that tomorrow night's game against Vegas is a real plant-the-flag kind of moment. You know these teams, Justin, hate each other. It is like with a, with a fiery passion, which adds a whole new layer uh, to this game tomorrow as well. You know that the Vegas Golden Knights, despite having no Jack Eichel, are going to do whatever it takes to stop this streak. They don't want this to happen on their watch and then hand them off to the Anaheim Ducks to maybe break the record. Uh, and you know that the Oilers want to stick it to Vegas going back to the playoffs. This is, this is going to be a heck of a game uh, tomorrow night. It's, it's the one that we've had circled, um, mm. you know, going back to the weekend saying this is going to be the game of the week. And whenever Vegas and Edmonton get together stylistically, it's always a great game. So no matter who wins, we're seeing some great hockey. We'll, Cross our fingers for Connor and Leon's sake that they can uh, pull this off tomorrow. Yep, I'm expecting true big game feel, which is not normally what you get in I early know. February in the NHL. It's yeah. going to be a good one, and it's on Sportsnet. Uh, Merrick, we appreciate you jumping on today. Merrick Mondays would not be Merrick Mondays without you. Big hugs to you both. Love you both. That's Jeff Merrick of the Jeff Merrick Show, and he's right about Tate McRae. Like, I didn't really know that much either, but that was like true Super Bowl halftime caliber, at mm-hmm. least like theatrics. Like it was a real deal, not, hey, go on the podium and, mm-hmm. and do your thing, do three songs. It was like four different stages and a pre-canned, you know, little montage coming in. Like there was a lot to it. It was pretty impressive. 
uh, among a lot of impressive things from the NHL over the weekend. Yeah, we got a great opportunity when uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday to be at All-Star Weekend. Maybe a little later in the show, we'll touch on that. Uh, we still got an hour and a half left of the fan pregame. Uh, Raptors, we'll talk about uh, a little later, but Luke Fox will join us on the other side. As you mentioned, Leafs had four All-Stars, so they got a rebound Get back on the ice tonight. Be back in action. Samson off in net. Uh, Raptors are a little later on tonight. They're on Sportsnet 1. Uh, they are also down in a bad spot. Double OT loss last night. Thunder coming back from a 32-point deficit. Raptors are now 15. Oh, yeah. What did I say? 32. Yeah, no, that's bad. 15 games below 500. Uh, trade deadline Thursday. So lots to come on the show. Luke Fox will join us from Scotiabank Arena on the other side of the break on the fan pregame. Everything you need to know about the Raptors and the biggest stories around the NBA. Smith and Jones. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are back on the fan pregame, Sportsnet 360 and Sportsnet 590. The fan uh, for another hour and a half. Luke Fox will join us next. Katie Heindel at 7 o'clock. As we mentioned, Raptors continue their road trip uh, against New Orleans. They're looking for something positive. Things are not great uh, in Raptors land. We're a few days away from the trade lines, trade deadlines. Maybe that's the direction they want to go. And then Matt Marchese will join us at 730. It is Super Bowl week. We are getting uh, closer to the big dance, and we'll talk maybe a little Leafs with him as well. Uh, but before we bring in Luke, we did get to see Luke yesterday. I don't even know what day it is. Uh, Saturday. Saturday night at the rink. He's hanging around the Beaver Party, too, wasn't he? He was at the Beaver Party. We had lots of fun. Not um, his first time in history. Really? He mentioned that? I don't know, but I He's would a imagine. Guy. He's a big music guy. It was a really, really fun weekend, but I would say, you know, if Toronto was the spotlight of the hockey world, they delivered. I think the on-ice competition was much better than any previous one I can remember. Of course, there's growing pains with, yeah, the NHLers aren't comedians and they're not, you know, full of life at times, uh, but definitely did their best in terms of trying to pull that out from them, I guess, at the draft. The PWHL showcase was unbelievable. I had a blast being there. The girls got a great opportunity to showcase, and they certainly did. Friday, you had uh, the skills, which were awesome. The tweaks for the skills this year, I think, was probably my favorite part um, of the changes. Like, it looked great. It delivered. The million dollars went to the guy that designed it. Like, it was it was perfect story. And then you get the Leafs winning, basically Team Leafs winning the, uh, the final on Saturday. It was just boom, boom, boom. Yeah, there are a lot of things that you could not script better. Uh, I do think this relationship with Justin and Justin Bieber is an unbelievable opportunity for the NHL, for the Toronto Maple Leafs, um, for anyone really tied to big events like this. Like, there was, again, I'm not like in, in the trenches on mm. TikTok, but the amount of people talking about how this was different for one of the biggest celebrities, pop stars in the world, how he's just... Happy, and mm-hmm. this was like uh, going back to childhood dreams and being a kid cool. again, and all these different things about how this weekend got the best out of someone who is bigger than the weekend itself in Justin Bieber, mm. which is a tremendous story to write. If you're the NHL, the Leafs, and those running this event, like a couple huge, huge wins, and I don't really think there's one any bigger than the Bieber win tied to all of this. Let's bring in Luke Fox from Scotiabank Arena, head of Islanders and Leafs at 7 p.m. That's on Sportsnet. Luke, how's it going? It's going well. How are you guys? You, you all recovered from the last couple of days of socializing? No, 
No, but you, you push through, right? <laughs> you, you play play guilty. I mean, yeah. How how are Austin Matthews, Morgan Riley, Mitch Marner, and William Nylander going to play an NHL hockey game tonight? <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting one. Like Sheldon Keith kind of hinted that they he just let the guys take what they needed. Um, so Marner and Matthews and Nylander uh, didn't take the morning skate. They had some very light work yesterday. But Morgan Riley, this is a, kind of funny, he, he did take the morning skate, and normally he doesn't, but he felt like he didn't touch the puck enough in the All-Star game. <laughs> so he felt, he said all the forwards were hogging the puck, so he actually wanted to get some, some touches in. So it's going to be a challenge, right? You look across the other side, and the Islanders only had Matthew Barzell mm-hmm. uh, participate in the weekend, so they're a little bit more rested. Whereas and he touched the puck four, a lot. Mm-hmm. And he touched the puck a lot, yeah. But four four Leafs were, were busy socializing, playing, fulfilling their media obligations. Uh, it's, you know, it's a tiring weekend, I think, for the guys um, that, who are involved, for sure. Do you get a sense of how the non-All-Stars enjoyed their break? I know Ilya Samsonov's getting the start tonight, and he came home early from his, I believe, Mexico vacation, but I'm sure yep. people got a little bit of time, a little bit of time to chill out. But, I mean, this is an important stretch of hockey for the Maple Leafs as well. Yeah, it's a bit of a mixed bag. Cancun for Samsonov. I know John Tavares went somewhere warm as well. Uh, Max Domi was in town for a lot of it and visited with his old buddy, Matt Sundin. Uh, Noah Gregor went back to Alberta, and I was like, are you, are you kidding me? Wow. <laughs> like, you have a week off, you didn't want to go somewhere warm? And he was like, well, I was kind of tempted. Uh, and it's interesting, you know, Sheldon Keep was saying that some guys – stayed here and actually, you know, practiced by themselves, something they needed to work on or they're working through a little injury. Uh, other guys took their gear with them on vacation. That would be John Tavares. Of course. Um, which, which should not surprise anyone. Uh, I talked to a couple guys and said, like, are you kidding me? I'm not taking my gear with me. Like, we're, we're on the ice plenty. Like, we need the rest. And uh, I think if I was a, a player, that, that's where my head would be at. But that's probably one of the reasons why I'm not a player. <laughs> that's probably why I don't play either anymore. Um, I feel like we were, ju- we were just talking about this before we brought you on, Luke. But I feel like this weekend really reflected positively on how great of a hockey city Toronto can be. You know, obviously, we're in the spotlight all the time as, you know, Leafs, the center revolves around the Leafs. But I really think that people got an opportunity to see what Toronto can bring as a city, as a rabid fan base. Um, I guess when you're walking around, you're seeing things, you're hearing fans. Did this weekend win for Toronto? Yeah, absolutely. It was, there was a good buzz downtown around <laughs> the arena, around the you know convention center. There were a number of parties going on and activations and the alumni doing talks. It, it felt like it, the All-Star weekend really took over the downtown core. And uh, so last night I had uh, my old man's shinny game and I was talking to a number of the dads and a bunch of them had taken their, their sons and daughters down to the fan fest, a couple even, you know, splurged and got mm. tickets to, to skills or to the game. And, and the reviews from their kids were over the moon. They loved it. And I mean, that's what it's for, right? It's not so much for uh, jaded jaded hockey reporters it's it's for kids to, to get involved get a glimpse of hey maybe i get to see connor mcdavid and austin matthews on the same sheet of ice like that's pretty cool um so there, there was definitely a good buzz both the skills and the game were completely sold out uh and the ratings i, I heard from from sports set uh were ho- much higher than expected so it's a success and um you know, the other good thing is that there should be a little bit of anticipation for the next one 
considering that next year they're skipping the all-star entirely and doing this this four nations face-off which should be a little little interesting yeah, I think just being a part of it, you, it's easier to gain the appreciation, but also understanding the why behind it all. And, and I think the kids and, and all that is like an important distinction. We always like talk about that. We always you hear Merrick all the time. It's, you know, it's not for me. It's for someone who's not me. And in this case, it's for the kids. And, and definitely there were things for the adults, but it, it was such a success in terms of who it was actually marketed towards. And, and I think it was undeniable and a good reminder. That I think we probably needed did you have a highlight for the entire weekend oh that's a good one uh, i mean on a personal level the the beaver party was pretty fun um <laughs> but I, I think one of the highlights for me is sometimes the celebrities feel shoehorned in they don't feel like natural fits it's like the nhl is trying to say like hey look 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 at us we're we're associated with the cool kids Whereas, you know, Michael Bublé is a legit hockey fan. He really embraced the weekend. Will Arnett, you know, was hilarious. And he's a legit Leaf fan and was very involved. Bieber going out there for warm-ups, sticking around with with Marner and Matthews till the very end, you know, passing the puck back and forth. Uh, And Morgan Riley had a great line. He's talking about Bieber as a coach. He said he was way more involved than I thought he would be. So I guess he was pretty pretty vocal behind the bench. Um, so that that integration of, of celebrities that actually care about the game, I think, was really well executed. And in the past, it always hasn't been. And I think the other big win, I think, was Connor McDavid, um, you know, taking the lead role as an ambassador for the league and believing that the skills contest needed a makeover, that it had kind of jumped the shark with the surfboards and on the, the film bits with the golf course and bringing it back to basics. And yeah, maybe he catered it to the skills that he's actually good at, which is almost everything, but so a lot of stick handling and skating while stick handling drills, which everyone knows he's the best at, but he deserved that million bucks. And, mm-hmm. and I think I, I was just impressed at how he's grown into a role as a face of the NHL, but a vocal guy. Um, you know, he was very vocal behind the scenes and getting that Olympic competition back down, locked down and, and, that's probably one of the highlights for me is knowing guaranteed the NHLers are going to the next two Olympics. I thought that was a big win and it maybe flew under the radar a little bit because of the other topics that Bettman had to discuss, but a lot of positives come out of this weekend. Yeah, I think Connor McDavid getting, you know, as much applause as he did in the city of Toronto was kind of fun too. Everyone's like, oh, one day, one day. But, you know, yeah. he's, he's clearly become the face of this league. Um, as you mentioned, we're talking to Lou Fox ahead of Leafs Islanders tonight at Scotiabank Arena. Uh, let's go back to that Bieber thing for a second because, you know, obviously he helped design the, the Drew House jerseys. They have the next generation night, but we don't really see Justin Bieber often. We've seen him, I think I remember two games over the last little stretch. The one where he wore those crazy glasses and the big outfit and then one when he was in a box uh with Haley Bieber but I wonder if this is opening the door for you if you've learned that maybe he'll be around more or was it just like let's make this weekend as big star-studded as yellow and smiley facey as possible and then we'll see you down the road yeah I mean I, I I'm sure he has other things to attend to but you know when he's around I think he makes an effort to be there like there's probably five times over the Austin Matthews era where I've seen him walking around the Leafs dressing room post game. Like, you know, I, I know there's a time where he invited uh, Austin and uh, Tyson Berry and, and I think maybe Mitch, someone else uh, uh, to play some shinny with him and Stratford. So there, there's a connection there. Um, 
And, uh, yeah, and, and then often when the Leafs are in L.A., he makes a point to go to those games too. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of cool to, to, for them to have that connection. In some ways, the superstardom is rubbing off on Austin Matthews. Not that he was, like, ever not one for these moments, but I, I think this was a pretty good celebration and showcase of what Austin Matthews is and who he, me- who he means to the city, what he means to the NHL. Um, you know, mm-hmm. did he did anything stand out to you when it comes to Matthews? Because, yeah, there are four Leafs there, but the centerpiece of it all is still number 34, isn't it? Well, I was showing my, my son. He's, he's uh, 13 years old. Uh, the highlights from the game, and he, and he said, the first thing he says is, that C looks pretty good on Austin Matthews, doesn't it, Dad? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, thought that was, I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, but I think what stood out to me is he said that as captain of that, that three-on-three team, he said everyone in that room gelled quickly and they were all on page that let's go out and win this thing. Mm. Like the competitiveness, mm. especially towards the end of the championship game, like he let one one-timer rip that I was like, okay, this is a little bit beyond shinny level. <laughs> and uh, those guys actually wanted to win. And uh, Jim Montgomery came to him with the idea of splitting up Matthews and Marner after the first game when they – their line was was in the in the minus category, and Austin said, "Sure, let's do it. Whatever you think uh, will get us the win." So they balanced out the lines, and and they got it done. So I think that that's what kind of stood out. Like they were actually a little bit competitive um, in in the you know in, in an exhibition setting, and it made for a pretty perfect script if you're a family out to see the Maple Leafs uh, heavy version of of the All Star team uh, win win the night. I know we touched on it earlier, Ilya Samsonov uh, starting tonight. Maple Leafs back into regular season action after a nice little break here for the All-Star game. So what do you get the sense of Ilya Samsonov's like energy, excitement, uh, opportunity at hand? Because obviously we've seen a, a change in him since he had that hiatus. And I wonder if the break came at a good time to build on that or maybe we'll see that it could have come at, at a better time possibly because he was cooking right before we took a break. Yeah, well, if he wins tonight, we're going to say it came mm-hmm. at a good time. And if he loses, we're going to say that, that's what ends the winning streak, yeah. right? Uh, but, yeah, he was in a groove. He probably would have liked to keep it going. But what I would say is that there's been some times where he's taken off and, and gone and hung out with other NHLers. Uh, he went to Cancun with just his wife, his baby boy, and his mom and his dad. And he came back early. Uh, and that really impressed Sheldon Keefe, the fact that he wanted to get back a couple days early and get in some practice on his own before the first official team practice, which was yesterday. Uh, he seems very focused, and he said it was very refreshing, you know, to get have that time away from Toronto, but he says he's good to go, and now we just watch and see. And it's really important that he does play well because we learned today that basically don't hold your breath for the return of Joseph Wall anytime Ooh. soon. He's still not ready. Uh, to participate in practice. They're looking at mid-month for practice. Um, so, and then hopefully game action beyond there. So they're being very cautious with him, and they can afford to be cautious as long as Samsonov keeps piling up wins. Uh, Maple Leafs fans might not recognize uh, Tyler Bertuzzi out there tonight. Tell us about his new haircut. Yeah, pretty cool story, you know. And it, He's not a guy that, you know, blasts this out on social media or makes a big deal. Max Domi was talking about that today that, you know, even the guys in the room didn't know until they asked him. And he's just a low-key guy, but he decided to cut, cut off that, that beautiful Sudbury flow of his uh, when, he was, when he was home in Michigan for the break. 
and he donated it to uh, uh, a charity called uh, Wigs for Kids. Um, you know, his hairstylist down there, you know, gathers hair and, and gives it to kids who are enduring chemotherapy. And he said, you know what? It's better that than tossing in the garbage. If I, I can find a way to help these kids who are in a, in a tough way, these families that are having a rough go, I'll do it. So a really cool story, you know. Um, he has to give up his signature look. You know, it was kind of crazy. Before it was, it wasn't even flapping out the back. It was flapping through the ear hole uh, of his helmet. Yeah, it was pretty unique. So he looks a little bit more clean cut. And then you think about his lack of puck luck. Maybe changing this up will mm-hmm. will have some good fortune. Maybe it'll translate down to his, uh, his blade. We'll see. I'm putting you on the spot a little bit, Luke, but I think the Bertuzzi discussion segues nicely into this. Uh, obviously, this I don't know if it's the second half of the final third of the season, but there are a lot of guys on this team, this Maple Leafs team, that have to at least show something or prove something to the fan base where there's a lot left, it seems, that a few players on this roster, namely new guys, really can give. If you had to form a starting lineup of guys that are either something to prove or hot seat or or, or whatever. Who's on that list for you? Like, who are you looking to see more from in the second half? And you can group it as three forwards, two defense, and a goaltender if you want. Oh, my gosh. it's a lot to say. Um, well, I, I think it does start with Bertuzzi just because of his price point. Just because when you're paying a guy $5 million bucks, yeah, he's had some, some impactful games, some great shifts with forward checking, but he simply needs to produce more. Um, he needs to find put that puck in the back of the net. So I'd, I'd say him. I think Domi's been fair value, but I think there's a little more you can squeeze out of him. The other guy, you know, I would say David Camp. Um, you know, they give him that extension in the summer, and he's been okay, but he's also been a healthy scratch at, at one point, and you want to see a little bit more from him. Now, right now, unfortunately, uh, he got an MRI, and he's going to be out all three games this week and probably trickling into next week as well for an undisclosed ailment. So the injury doesn't do him any favors, but you want to see that guy make a bit more of an impact, be a little bit more trusted in a shutdown role if he's not going to put the puck in the net. As for the defense, I'm going to go with the, the two older gentlemen, you know, mm. DJ Brody and Mark Giordano. Mm. I, I know they're given everything they have, but, you know, you hope maybe this a week away from the game has, has helped them rest and, and then come back back stronger the Leafs need more from them I don't know if they're capable of it just with fighting father time a little bit here and and you know Gio sometimes has been used higher up in the lineup than he should Brody's probably a second pair guy he's been asked to be a first pair guy all season um but they need more um or or they need to make a change there uh and for goalie I mean I I think you can't ask for much more from Martin Jones you Mm -hmm. just need Wall Wall to get healthy and stand stuff to keep going Oh, yeah. Samsonov's definitely the something to prove guy, despite a couple good starts <laughs> yeah. leading into his Cancun uh, holiday. Yeah. Uh, thanks so much, Luke. We'll let you go. Uh, enjoy the game tonight, and uh, we'll catch up down the road. Yeah. Nice to have games that matter again. Yes, I agree. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's Luke Fox, Sportsnet Maple Leaf reporter, head of Leafs and Islanders. That's in about 10 minutes on Sportsnet. And um, We didn't ask him how many times he was at history. Next time. That topic is now history. Press box fodder. Nice. As we good. move on. Um, I guess, yeah, the expectations and who has something to prove, I would pretty much agree with all of those. Maybe Nick Robertson I would add into my starting lineup because, man, when he's on and he's playing, he's performing. Like He's got a, a goal in almost all of his games that he's played in. But 
the inconsistency has always been a Nick Robertson thing, it's, right? It's, it's, a, just, it's, it's, a define, it's a defined performing thing, though, mm-hmm. right? Because he's pops in, he's recently popped in these goals. Mm-hmm. And you're like, wow, you got to give Nick Robertson a little bit more Depth time. Scoring. Maybe some opportunity. Like, mm-hmm. give him more of a chance to be in positions where he can use one of the better releases and finishing uh, abilities on this team. Just more run, more runway. Let's see a little bit more of it. But we know Sheldon Keefe is one thing before the other and that's diligent defensive 200 foot all that before hey here's all the opportunity in the world to go shot for shot put the puck in the net that's just not him so you know performing if, if he's truly performing in the eyes of Sheldon Keefe he's going to get that ice tie because it is a merit-based system at least we believe it is uh, with the Maple Leafs it's just can he package it all together recently the goals have gone in but we know Keefe needs more than that Maple Leafs about uh, what one third of the season remaining. Yeah, I think uh, loosely. Islanders got a new head coach. I think tonight will be an interesting one. Um, my best bets kind of go against the Maple Leafs in a sense. This is a tough spot for them, as we mentioned. They got four All Stars this weekend. They were the stars really of this city. They were hanging out with Justin Bieber. We saw them hanging out with Justin Bieber. We saw them enjoying themselves this weekend responsibly but i think it's an emotionally draining weekend energy wise then you got to get back up for it on a monday i don't know how well the leafs perform tonight the islanders are pretty well rested and ready to pounce i think both teams could be sloppy obviously they just had some time off um but i have john Tavares goal at plus 210 of course this is you know the revenge angle that i always like to bring i'm going to add one on the fly and i don't have the odds up there but matt barzell was one of the best performers of this weekend i was really impressed with him he was him, exceptional. I could see him putting the puck in the net tonight. Um, and then I have Islanders money line. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. But plus money on the Islanders. So Going, Islanders and former Islanders are going to have success. It could tonight. be an Islander night. It we'll might see. be. I mean, I know how, how I feel after the grind that was NHL All-Star Weekend. Again, I, I think it will be tough for those guys to get up for it because I imagine it was exhausting. I do kind of like the Islanders on the money line. I like the Avalanche on the money line in the other game. Uh, they're in Broadway to take on the New York Rangers. The Avs have just been so much better than the New York Rangers, at least since January 1st. And I thought those Avs, maybe we were joking about it, probably pretty annoyed they didn't win in the semifinal at the All-Star game. It looked like they had a full-on effort, but were a little bit snake-bitten, and maybe they should have won the whole thing. You missed the revenge angle. Pierre Engvall to score well, anytime, plus 400. I know that one. See if the draft can get it done. But I have another Super Bowl prop because I'm working away at my Super Bowl mm-hmm. card one at a time here. And today's pick will be the double result. The Chiefs to win the first half and the 49ers to win the game. I do think the Chiefs are going to start out wow, hot. And Justin. the 49ers might be in a position to win in the I end. I thought so we were plus on the Chiefs. I am, but it's kind of a hedge because I'm, I like the Chiefs early. I like the Chiefs in the game but I do think it could come down to one drive, and I'd like plus six hundred if it does. And look at look at the other bets; they're just they're sparkling right now. Kelsey MVP twenty to one, sixty yard pl- uh, field goal or better, forty to one. Harrison Butker is a weapon, and I'm gonna I like Patrick Mahomes. We're gonna play Patrick Mahomes in a variety of different ways. Those are my first four picks on Justin's big board of Super Bowl picks. Well, the Travis Kelsey narrative gets deeper and deeper because last night. Taylor Swift wins album of the year. She announces she's going to have another album coming out. Oh, in just a couple months, it's already done. And so what happens in between then? Travis Kelsey wins Super Bowl MVP, wins the Super Bowl. They ride off into the sunset. It's a Mm. perfect calendar year of those two narrative-wise. And you got on, we both got on the uh, Travis Kelsey props early on before they were even in the final. 
now I'm just looking up his Super Bowl odds are uh, 17 to 1. So 17 to 1. A little money on it. Yeah, and a reminder, 20% of the vote for Super Bowl MVP this was an is important fan point. vote. Really so if there's important. any, to- like if there's any, uh, could be Mahomes, but it could be Kelsey because he got 100 yards and a touchdown. Tie goes to the Swifties. 20% of people voting will th- will vote for Travis Kelsey. It's, it's 20% to start with for Travis Kelsey. I think that's pretty important. When looking at Super Bowl 100%. MVP, I, I already had a bad music take today that I, I don't think you appreciate it very much, but I'll, <laughs> I'll offer another one here. Tra- Taylor Swift using her acceptance speech to announce the new album. Is that good or bad? Is that like fair, foul? Mm. What, what do you think of that? It's a moment to like inspire, not to profit, isn't I it? I totally agree, actually. I thought it was... There we go. Uh, I didn't have I exclusively know. bad music No, no, today. no. I, I thought, you know, it's already always about... You just won. Usually you take that moment. She could have got off the stage and posted, boom, by the way. Mm-hmm. But she knows, I'll say one thing, between those two, they know how to own the moment. They know how to make the moment about She's them. a business. She is a business, and she capitalized big time on everyone. Excited for some Taylor Swift news last yeah. night. I'll be in business if the Swifty Kelsey machine Cooks out turns out an MVP. And we'll be rich. We'll be rich. Um, All right, so one more hour still on the show. We're going to be exclusively on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Katie Heindel will join us in a little bit. Wraps 2 and 8 in the last 10, man. It is down bad. Uh, Same thing as last year. Like, the the deadline's ahead. It's weighing on everyone. It's not like, how did we do this one more time? Yeah. We're supposed to be different. Vibes are low. Uh, We'll go through all that. We'll talk about, like, which team is exciting to talk about. We're going to have a three-hour show on Thursday talking about the deadline. So maybe she can help do some homework for us. Is it Golden State Warriors? For my mom, it always is. And then Matt Marchese will wrap up the show from the fan checkdown, of course. Uh, We'll go through some Super Bowl stuff, see what he thinks of your big board. Mm. And we'll wrap it all up on Sportsnet 590, the fan. That's next on the fan pregame.